What is up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to the first episode of the Live from the Top podcast. Super excited about this, this new venture that I'm starting. You know, nothing too serious, but really excited to kind of kick off this new thing that I'm doing. I'm really excited for all of you to be a part of it, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, If you saw the announcement on Twitter and you shared that tweet or you followed the Twitter account, I really appreciate all the support and everything that everybody has done to kind of help me with this and get this off the ground. So really excited, and I can't wait to see, you know, all the things that I can do with this particular podcast, what we can do with the guests, with the topics, with the questions and the answers and all of it. You know, there's just so much we can do, and I'm really excited about all of it. So thank you again for all of your support. I really appreciate it, and I'm really excited about it. So uh, just diving in real quick, explanation of the name. I've gotten a couple questions about the name already, and, you know, it's DFS, so everyone is, the goal is to, you know, be at the top of the leaderboards, win contests, and so it's kind of, you know, play on that. You want to be from the top. And also, the kind of vision that I have for this particular podcast is for it to be very genuine and raw and kind of from the heart, from the right off the top of the head. So that's kind of the play on words there. You know, I want it to be not really scripted out, not really written down or anything like that. I want it to be very, you know, what's on my mind, what's on a particular guest's mind, you know, not a whole lot of scripted answers or anything like that or scripted thoughts. So I think that's really cool when you can have genuine conversations, you can hear genuine words and thoughts from people instead of hearing scripted and written down things that were thought out. I mean, obviously I don't want this to be really sloppy or anything, but I think it'd be really cool to kind of get a taste of a more genuine and raw, you know, I keep using those two terms, but that's what I want this thing to be. I hope it's very from the heart and straightforward and off the top of the head. So there we go, live from the top. That is the goal, that's the vision, and that's a little bit of an explanation of the name. So I hope you guys are as excited about this as I am. I'm really looking forward to it. And this is episode one, obviously. I'm hoping that there will be many, many to come, and we can be able to get a lot of cool guests on this, because I think that'll be really awesome to get some guests that of names that you guys know, names that you might not know, get some new faces, new names, new voices, I guess, actually, and get those guys, you know, in a more unscripted and genuine scene rather than something that is very rehearsed and, and written down. So, yeah, that's the goal. I'm really excited about it. So for this first episode, there are a few things that I'm going to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself, how I got into DFS, what I'm doing with DFS now, um, NBA free agency, you know, I'm recording this on July 1st. So yesterday, free agency was crazy. Everything kind of hit the fan and some wild things happened. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my thoughts on that. I'm going to talk about MLB DFS, kind of how that's going. And then last but not least, I'm going to talk about my craziest DFS story. Happened pretty recently. And I think you guys will think it's crazy because I sure as hell did. So I'm really excited about that. So yeah, let's get this thing started. And before we do get started, thank you again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Hopefully this thing, if you're listening to it, you're listening to it on SoundCloud and you can give this thing a like or you found it on iTunes, which is something I'm kind of nervous about. I'm going to try to get this thing on iTunes, but I've never done that before. So hopefully that works. Maybe Spotify. We're just going to see. But whatever you're going to do, if you could share this, like it, whatever, I'd really appreciate it. So a little bit about myself, how I got into DFS. So my first ever 
uh, fantasy sports experience was junior year of high school. You know, I played a little bit of, you know, beat the streak when I was in middle school and younger, but nothing serious until junior year of high school when I played a fantasy football league with some of my high school friends who I'm still in a league with today. And I'm sure these guys are going to be listening to this particular segment and thinking, hey, I don't know what this guy is talking about this for. He's never won a championship, which is entirely true. You know, I get a lot of crap for it, for all this stuff I do in DFS, but I've never won my home league. Had two pretty pretty solid years, but I fall apart in the semis, just like the New Orleans Saints. So that's kind of been my, my gist so far these last two years. So I got to get a win in that in that league this year. Got to got to bring it home, or else I'm gonna I'm gonna get shamed out of that league, and that's something that you don't want. But yeah, that was my first ever experience with fantasy sports, and that kind of grew into something that I found out about DraftKings and FanDuel, and I would play a little bit. On Sundays, just football to start, and just throwing you know five ten bucks in, and you know not doing anything special or anything like that, but just a lot of fun, you know. So then, the the kind of love the hobby it it grows on me a little bit, and you know I start playing a little bit more, and then I kind of want to keep going, so I dive into it, and then I'm then I'm being pretty bad at it, and that's not something I like to do. I'm a very competitive person, so you know I kind of start trying to learn. I start following podcasts and articles and stuff like that, just trying to get better because I'm not the kind of person who likes to be bad at things. So that was one thing that I kind of just took the next step in. And um, I think it was a Monday night game. This was back when the main slates for the NFL were the whole week, so Thursday through Monday. And... Maybe I just played a full slate. I don't even know. That's how much of a, of a clueless rookie I was. Um, but I ended up winning a contest for like 300 bucks because Jamal Charles had three touchdowns on Monday night against the Packers. I remember remember it pretty vividly. He had like 60 yards, but three touchdowns. So it was a big game for Jamal Charles, and that's kind of what started it off for me. And after that happened, you know, I started getting more interested and more invested in all those kinds of things. And then three years ago, I had a pretty, pretty big night. I, at this point, I was playing pretty kind of at an amateur level for quite some time now, just kind of consistently, but just not very heavily, if that makes sense. And it was another primetime Sunday night game. This was before FanDuel took the Sunday night games off of the main slate. And... DeAndre Hopkins went for a three-touchdown game against the Chiefs. And if you guys remember that at all, which I remember vividly because it was the first uh, first night, first day I had ever broken, you know, the $1,000 mark where I, I won over $1,000, and that was pretty crazy. So from that point on, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to throw this money in. I, I, I wanted to continue to put money into it, but I'm not going to continue to put it in if I'm not putting in the work as well. So from that point on, I started going really heavily into researching and kind of finding my own way through things. And then the next summer, I had a pretty, I would like to say it, you know, if there was one word to describe it, it would be bullshit, a bullshit internship. And so if those kids are listening, sorry for that word, but yeah, it was pretty... It was pretty easy, you know, an easy job with not a lot to do, had a lot of free time, and this was during the summer, so, you know, middle of baseball season, perfect time to, while I'm sitting at a desk from 8 to 4 or 9 to 5 or whatever it was, 
perfect time to get a lot of MLB research in. And I was listening to the podcasts or or live streams or articles or whatever, reading articles pretty much all day long because I had so little work that I was actually doing and nobody there even like recognized or really cared because I was just just there pretty much really. There was like one day a week where I would have to actually be at like a meeting. And other than that, I pretty much had free reigns to do what I wanted with really little to no responsibility at that job. So I took the next step that summer, really. And that's kind of when I fell in love with researching for MLB. And that's definitely my favorite sport to research for. You know, I think there's so many stats and advanced numbers out there that you can find and so many hidden gems when it comes to research that you can find in baseball. So that's kind of when I really took the next step in researching and wanting to do that and be better at that. And from that point on, it was just kind of me playing as much as I could. I just graduated college, so the last two years of college, I pretty much scheduled all online classes so that way I could essentially be a full-time DFS player. And um, so that was kind of the goal right there was to do DFS full-time. I kind of had that, that feeling about a year and a half, a year ago, that I wanted to do it full-time, and for about for since then... I had been doing it full-time pretty much since all my classes were online. You know, I was doing schoolwork pretty much at night after slates would lock or early in the mornings. And then, you know, the middle of the day to up until lock, that was pretty much DFS time. You know, it really worked out really well. I guess I was pretty fortunate to have that opportunity to get into the game as seriously as I did during those two years because, you know, I've met I met a good amount of people who are – balancing full-time jobs, families, and also all sorts of things, and they deserve a ton of praise for it because it's really hard work from just what I can imagine. I obviously have no idea. But to be able to do that and then also try to do DFS as much as you can, and you know, I know, I know some guys who do it full-time while also you know being a dad full-time or having an, another full-time job, and those guys deserve a lot of praise and a lot of credit for that because it's got to be tough work, you know? But this is something that we all like to do. And if you're listening to this, I'm sure you love DFS as much as I do or love sports as much as I do. So, you know, some some of that stuff is worth it. But I was in a really fortunate position where I could essentially do that full time and not really have too many other responsibilities except for like homework or studying for exams or something like that. But had a lot of a lot of free time, no, pretty much an open schedule. So that was really awesome. So that's how I got into DFS and... Um, a couple years ago had a pretty, or actually last baseball season, had a pretty successful baseball season, um, ended up going to the FanDuel I final there. Um, but then NBA season really took off for me. Uh, it was the best, best year I've ever had or best season of any sport I've ever had in the two or three years that I've been playing, uh, full time to, you know, as much as I could really. And so that's kind of what took off. So that, that basketball season kind of gave me the opportunity to be able to do this full-time even after I graduated. So after once I graduated, I told myself I would give it two years, a year and a half, whatever, to really try this thing full-time. And so far, it's it's worked, and it's been something that I think I'm going to be able to sustain for at least a little bit longer. So I'm going to do it as long as I can. It's a huge passion of mine, and 
you know, like I said, I'm really fortunate to be able to do it and to kind of have the, have had this opportunity in the time frame that I did, because I really think it gave me an advantage when it comes to really learning and growing and having a huge opportunity for this whole DFS thing. So yeah, that's what I'm doing right now currently, um, essentially full-time DFS. I uh, have a little bit of school left to do, but other than that, I'm, I'm done with school, graduated with my bachelor's, so a little bit after that, and then right now I'm doing DFS full-time until I finish up that, and then we'll see where the world takes me, but yeah, it's been it's been an amazing ride, an awesome experience, and I'm really excited to see what's ahead, uh, what's next up, and yeah, I'm really excited for this podcast and for you know, continuing to do DFS. So this is kind of the, one of the things I wanted to do while being able to do DFS full-time was a really cool podcast that I think people will be able to relate to, be able to kind of consume in a, in a more laid-back setting and not have to kind of... Because I, I feel like a lot of the industry and these podcasts are oversaturated with the picks and the strategy and the plays and stuff. And those things are great. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's how I... like a, Like I said, during my internship, that's how I came up that's how I learned a ton but I do think it's important to have other podcasts that are more laid back and kind of genuine and not as number crunchy and stuff like that so I do think this will be pretty cool I think it'll be pretty unique and I'm really excited about it and like I said I don't want it to be just DFS I want it to be sports related maybe even like life related with some particular topics and yeah I really think I can do a ton of different things so let's move on to the next topic, NBA free agency. You know, a ton of stuff just happened less than 12 hours ago. And, you know, at 6 p.m. yesterday, as I, like I said, I'm recording this on the 1st of July. So 6 p.m. yesterday, things kind of went crazy. Actually, even before that, because we were getting the quote-unquote Woj bombs. So, you know, Kyrie and Katie headed to Brooklyn. Kyrie was pretty expected. You know, the, the Katie news was somewhat of a surprise. I did think he was going to go back to the Warriors, but, you know, it's nothing earth-shattering. Jimmy Butler is going down to Miami to be a Heat, a member of the Heat, a Heat. I don't know, that's kind of weird to say. But, um, yeah, so I guess we'll see if Dwayne Wade is going to come out of retirement like he tweeted a few days ago. I doubt that'll happen, but, you know, you never know. We've seen Brett Favre do it a couple times, so maybe Dwayne Wade will do it as well. Um, Recently... Um, I don't, you, might, you guys might have fallen asleep for this one, but I was awake for it. The D'Angelo Russell news, that's pretty crazy. A sign-in trade is going down with the Warriors and the Nets to bring D'Angelo Russell over to the Warriors. And that's going to kind of be the guy to replace KD as much as they're going to try to. Obviously, you can't replace a guy like Kevin Durant, but that's the, the dude that they're calling upon to step into that role of you know the, the number two or number three scorer. And I think it's going to be a pretty exciting move for the Warriors. Obviously, I think D'Angelo Russell is a great player. Warriors fans are lucky. You know, he's only 23 years old, and they just signed him to a four-year deal. So they'll have him there for at least the four years. I'm not really sure if there's a, a player option on that at all. I didn't look up that the, the details of that contract. But, you know, whatever it is, three, four years with D'Angelo Russell there, that's pretty exciting stuff. You know, he's a, an electric guy who can score at will. He can do a lot of things, and so that's a great pickup. Uh, a lot of di- a lot of smaller additions. You know, my Detroit Pistons uh, picked up Derrick Rose. The Knicks went out and signed not one, not two, but three big men slash power forwards. They're all true power forwards. 
but it was Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, and Julius Randle. Taj Gibson was a fair, I would say a fair deal, while Bobby Portis and Julius Randle got paid. I mean, Julius Randle's a, a damn good player, so that can be, you know, justified. Bobby Portis got damn near $16 million a year. That's a pretty good chunk of change. So that's a little bit of a shocking thing. I guess it's not really shocking because it is the Knicks, but kind of weird to consider that you bring in Portis, Randall, who are two guys who will, who can play the center position but are, I would consider, power forward. Taj Gibson, another guy who can play the five, but I would say he's a power forward. So that's three guys that are power forward. you got Mitchell Robinson there who you have to think is going to get the back seat. You know, you're not paying these guys $50 million this year to to not play. So Mitchell Robinson, you know, another year where he's going to be put behind somebody that is overpaid and probably not going to be a big part of the future. Maybe Julius Randle will be a big part of the Knicks' future or whatever they have. I don't even know if you, they have a future, to be honest. But, yeah, that's a lot of NBA free agency stuff going on. The Magic bring back Vucevic, Terrence Ross. The Spurs pick up Damari Carroll. Jamal Murray gets a huge extension. Um, I'm just trying to think of these people off my off the top of my head, so I'm probably missing a few big names, but obviously a big name is Kawhi Leonard, and the board man took the weekend off. He didn't want to have the big Sunday uh, explosion. He didn't want to announce his decision quite yet on Sunday, so we're going to have to wait a few days. Um, but by the time you're listening to this, Kawhi probably will have a team because this, this podcast is probably not going to be out this week maybe by the end of the week hopefully as soon as I can to be honest with you but um yeah hopefully Kawhi has decided and he's got his destination you know I'm gonna let you guys in on a little bit of secret and if you follow me on Twitter it's probably not much of a secret but I'm not the biggest LeBron guy here so I'm kind of selfishly hoping Kawhi either stays in Toronto or maybe finds a home in LA that isn't in a Laker uniform with the Clippers because that'll really put the Lakers in a in a tough situation. You know, if they don't get Kawhi, what are they going to do? It's a big question mark there. Um, they really don't have a big name left to sign. I mean, I think after this, Boogie Cousins is probably the biggest name left on out of the free agents. Obviously, they might. Actually, no, they can't even make a trade because they don't have any assets to trade. So they're going to be in a really tricky situation if they can't get Kawhi to come to back to his hometown and be a Laker. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they fill out that roster with. A guy that jumps to my mind is Andre Iguodala, a guy who could kind uh, possibly be bought out by the Grizzlies. He was traded over to the Grizzlies for the Warriors to clear up some cap space to uh, add Russell to the, to the roster. So Iggy is a guy who could possibly be bought out and then a Laker this year. We know that him and Rob Polinka have some some links back to um, Polinka's agency days, agent days, however you want to say that. But, yeah, so NBA free agency is crazy, and I'm really excited to see where Kawhi goes. You know, obviously that could change a lot. Um, you got to figure if he goes to the Lakers, they're a pretty clear-cut favorite for the title. But, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about KD moving on. I'm really excited about him and Kyrie forming a team. And overall, I'm excited about all these teams trying to be built up because I think overall for the league, for a 
for my sake, pretty much, really. I know it's very selfish, but for my sake, I want as much of a competitively balanced league as possible. And KD leaving the Warriors and kind of balancing and the Lakers balancing out the West over there is is that for the league. So that's going to help balance out the league a little bit. But, yeah, if Kawhi joins the Lakers, the league might not be as balanced as I hope. But, that you know, you never know. You never know. That's obviously going to be a, uh, a discussion for future episodes of this. And hopefully by the next episode, we will have the final decision for Kawhi. And we'll figure out if he's a Raptor, a Laker, a Clipper, or, you know, maybe something else. Maybe, maybe he'll come to the Pistons and, you know, just throw a party. I'll throw a party for myself if he's a Piston, just so you guys know. But, yeah, that's going to be it for the NBA Frequency. I hope I didn't miss anybody too big. Um, tried to cover as many as I could, but like that, like I said, this is you know off the top of my head. I didn't even get a list of the free agency moves out, which I probably should have, but I didn't. Hopefully, I hit all of them though, because they're all pretty fresh in my head. So on to MLB DFS. So like I said, I want this podcast to be centered around DFS and sports, but I don't necessarily want it to be picks and plays and strategy. So I'm never gonna sit on a podcast and say, "Hey, today is July 1st." This is, you know, the slate. Here's some salaries. I'm never going to really do that. If, you, if you're interested in that, I don't blame you at all because that's obviously very important stuff. That's crucial stuff to my daily life pretty much. But this podcast is going to be something just a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit more fun, lighthearted, and kind of just in, in general kind of take or outlook on some sports stuff and some DFS stuff. So the MLB DFS season's, you know, been an up and down one, as one would expect, because that's how MLB goes. But, you know, overall, I love MLB DFS. It's probably my favorite sport to play. Maybe just maybe just because baseball is my favorite sport to watch, other than football, but that's just kind of hard to beat. Um, it's also my favorite sport to research for. Uh, it's during the summer, so you obviously can't really top that too much, especially when you live in Michigan like I do. You know, you really... You get scared of the winters up here. They're really terrifying. So when you get summer, you really got to embrace it. So it's kind of just a good time for me personally. But, yeah, MLB DFS has been fun. Uh, This past week, I won two live final seats to the FanDuel live final. And it was really a relief because the first half of the season, I really struggled, didn't get any live final seats. And, you know, it's obviously a goal of mine every year to get at least one. You know, I'm obviously shooting for as many as I can, but, you know, we were at the 93rd qualifier qualifier out of 125, so I was, like, really pushing it. And on the 25th, I won the first seat, and then on the, third, on the 29th, I got my second seat. So it was kind of just a relief and really exciting, obviously, because I'm really looking forward to going back to San Diego for the second time for a FanDuel event. And last time I was there... Last August was just an amazing event, a whole lot of fun. Really excited to see the Red Sox in San Diego against the Padres. We're going to be able to go to a game with, in my opinion, two of the most exciting teams. You know, the, the Padres have a lot of young guys that I really like as players, and they're really entertaining. Obviously, the Red Sox reigning world champs. they got a, a lot of MVP caliber, a lot of all-star players. So that's really exciting. Hopefully we get a, uh, a nice little matchup there, possibly a Chris Paddock and Chris Sale game. I'm kind of just trying to picture it now. Who knows, maybe Chris Paddock will get sent down insanely once again, but hopefully not. 
but really looking forward to that event. And that whole kind of spiel about the live final is going to kind of bring me into the final final subject, and that's my craziest DFS story. So the craziest story for me from a DFS perspective is the fantasy live final in Miami in April. And that was just an awesome thing because to for me to qualify there, it was just on the biggest night I've ever had. You know, it was a, a six-figure score, my first ever six-figure score, and I qualified for the Miami live final event that night. So that was an amazing night. Best night for me from a DFS perspective, and that was the night I qualified for the event. So we go down there in April, and obviously an amazing event, as FanDuel usually does. Um, put us on a yacht. They took us. They treated us, gave us the full kind of experience. And Miami is a great city, awesome to be there, and I can't wait to go back, to be honest with you. And so, yeah, let's just get right into the craziest story because it's a little bit of a long one. But so for the live final, it was a NBA playoff slate, and it was, you know, fantasy, play on words, S-E-A at the end of fantasy because they put us on a yacht, and they kind of took us out on on the yacht in the Atlantic Ocean and it was just an amazing experience obviously I've never been on the yacht you know most people don't have that opportunity very often and to be able to do have a live final on a yacht in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean was just amazing I mean there were a little bit of a little bit of flukes there because issue with TV and internet because we're you know floating around in the middle of the ocean so a couple issues there but overall Nothing that I would ever really complain about other than, you know, complaining about it. I would never be upset about it, I should say. So uh, it was a three-game three game slate. So pretty weird. I think it was three. Maybe four. No, it was three. And there was a game at two, a game at like four or five, and then a game at 8.30. So the Nets and the, the 76ers played the early game. The Magic and the Raptors played the middle game, and the Warriors and the Clippers played the late game. So the first game, during the first game, they got Flo Rida out on the boat performing a concert, which is just insane. You know, not a lot of people at the DFS event are Flo Rida people, I would say. Just a little bit of a hunch, you know, nothing nothing definitive. But if I had to guess, I would say most guys there weren't really Flo Rida guys. But I will say Flo Rida put on a great show, so that was a lot of fun. And, you know, everyone everyone knew a couple of his songs because he was a pretty popular guy a few years ago. And he did a great job there. So first and second game go by. And I didn't really have a whole lot of people in either of these games. You know, I, had, I had three guys in the first game. But one guy put up, like, five points. Shout out to Rodion's Kirks, five points. So here's my job score. So didn't play anybody in the middle game. And we get to the late game. And I'm kind of really not paying attention to any of the games because we had such a long time from the first game, which were my first three players were, until the last game, which were my last five players. And so it was kind of weird. And also, there was only a f- only a few TVs that were able to air the the game because the hotel that the yacht was actually docked at was kind of blocking our signal. So we had to sit in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean while the games were on because the FanDuel guys didn't want to go back and then nobody could watch the game. So we're sitting out there, so the internet service is pretty shaky. So it's really hard to follow follow along with what your guys are doing, what, what's going on in the game, unless you're watching. And at the time, I wasn't really watching because I was in, like, 50th place coming into the last game. You know, I knew I wasn't, like, dead, but I wasn't really, like, 
thrilled about anything. And plus I was with my girlfriend. So I was kind of trying to let her enjoy the experience of being on the yacht. And, you know, they had a lot of stuff to do. They had like a cornhole game, um, some papa shots, a lot of different games. Um, they had a DJ up top on the top deck. So there's a lot of things to do. So it's not like we were ever like bored and didn't have anything to do. So we were trying to, you know, enjoy that time. And about about end of the first quarter, I'm looking at the phone. We finally got some service on one of the floors. And plus, at this time, we just wanted to, like, we kind of wanted to, like, be off the boat because we were on it for so long. And so we just kind of wanted to sit down for a little bit. So take the phone out, and I'm looking, and I'm in, like, 15th place. And then, you know, steadily climbing up. Halftime comes around. I'm in the top 10, so I'm pretty excited at this point. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. And I was, I believe I was the only person in the tournament to stack that game up or to have five guys in the game. And so that was pretty, that was pretty exciting to see because you can see the potential of what, what could happen. And the end of the third quarter comes around and I'm up top five. You know, I mean, I think I was in fourth place. So we're, at this point, I'm trying to follow along as closely as I can. Obviously, you guys understand the, the idea of the sweat and trying to follow along as closely as I can. But I, don't, I didn't really, really want to move from where I was. I didn't want to go to the TV because I wanted to just kind of follow along on my phone. And I wasn't sure if I'd be able to really see at the TV. I didn't want the TV to go out and then I wouldn't have service. So that at this point, I'm kind of just overthinking about a lot of things. And I'm following along. And I'm up to second place. So once once I get to second place, I go up to the to the main deck or the middle deck, sorry, with with my girlfriend and some guys that I I knew there and I had met there, and we're watching the game. And we're trying to follow along because where we're standing, you can't keep you can't really track your score because there's no internet. So we're trying to follow along. A timeout comes with like five minutes left in the game. We we run out to the deck, check the score, and I was down by like. 3.4 points or something like that so we're sitting here trying to follow along and it's really difficult because there's no there's no service and you know so many th- different things can happen we didn't really have a great view of the tv so keeping track of these stats was a little bit difficult but we're watching and we kind of figured out that it was basically clay thompson danilo gallinari and Montrez harrell versus his andre iguodala and the guy in first place had Andre Iguodala. And Iguodala kind of went crazy. You know, he, he had like five steals in the second half. And he finished he finished with 40 fantasy points, which I think was probably a season high. I don't know that. I didn't like look that up or anything. But if I had to guess, I would guess 40 points is uh, Iguodala season high. So it was a great game for him. And, you know, Gallinari and Harrell end up getting pulled eventually because Doc Rivers pulled them up, pulled them. They were down like 17 and this was the first game of the playoffs. So he pulls them and, you know, we're trying to figure out like, did, did I get it? Did I not get it? And there was a big play where Iguodala blocked Gallinari and got the rebound. So at that point I was like, Oh, you know, I don't think we're, I think I was, I think we tallied it out and we're like, yeah, I'm going to finish 2.8 points short. So we're like, Oh crap. So that, that really sucked. And we go up there, we check, and I finished second place, so at this point, I'm like, all right, you know, obviously I'm thrilled about second place. That was 150K, so that was just insane, and they threw, like, a big, like, celebration for the guy on the boat, and he was given the, the trophy, a little bit of an interview, some pictures, some 
some stage time and whatnot. So, and, and mind you, at this point, we're still in the middle of the ocean because of the TV situation, how we don't have service if we go back to the dock. So once the game's over, we finally head back in. And so you got So the game ends. It's probably about 10 minutes till the trophy ceremony. So then it's the trophy ceremony is probably about 15 minutes. So there's 25 minutes, probably about a, a 15 minute boat ride back to the dock. And then there was one exit off this boat, unless you wanted to jump over the side of it. And no one was doing that. So there's one exit off the boat and we were on like the, we're on the top deck. So everyone's trying to get off and it's, this is a serious hazard here. You know, there's a lot of stomping potential here and, you know, it was really bad. If you if you tripped here, you're probably getting crushed because there's so many people packing themselves out of one door. There's probably f- 300 people to at least 200 people on the boat all trying to get out of one exit at the same time. It was kind of a mess. So that takes about 20 minutes. So then I, we head over to the hotel, and we have a little bit of a, a group of guys that I had been hanging out with for the most of the, for the majority of the weekend. And we go upstairs, or I go upstairs change plug my phone in because it was dying because we were on a boat for 12 hours i come downstairs and we're kind of hanging out and brian healy from rotocurve i'm sure you guys have heard of him he does a lot of awesome stuff he was a guy that i met actually that day and he was hanging out with us he goes to get us drinks from the hotel bar and he looks back and he's like hey kyle what do you want and i tell him whatever and all of a sudden this group of guys that uh, I knew a couple of them, but they were in a separate group for, for that particular time. They turn around, they start kind of like laughing and kind of like poking fun, I guess. They were like, they were kind of celebrating, actually. I didn't really know what was going on. And I thought they were like joking around about what I ordered. Like, you know, I'm not really the the manliest of drinkers, I guess you could say. So I thought they were like joking around about my drink. I'm like, guys, like sorry, what did, what's so wrong with a whiskey sour? I think I got a whiskey sour. I'm like, that's a pretty good drink. You know, that's a pretty, pretty proud of myself for that one. <laughs> and these guys start laughing and, and Squirrel Patrol. So this, the, the title of this story is actually the time that Squirrel Patrol told me I won a live final. So there's the spoiler right there. Squirrel Patrol comes up to me and he goes, hey, there's been a stat correction. You just jumped up to first because keep in mind, I was down 2.8 at this point. Turns out Clay Thompson was given a a block. And at this point, I'm like, okay, that's that's kind of weird. Because actually, probably 10 minutes before that happened, I was joking around with a couple of guys, um, including the Siege. And I was saying, hey, like, I bet you there's going to be a stack correction. Like, Andre Iguodala is going to lose a steal or something. Like, completely joking, not expecting it at all. But then a few minutes go by, like 10 minutes go by, and I'm like, you know... It's just kind of weird, like, the game hasn't gone live yet, and, and I gave you those time increments for a reason, like, it had been a long time since the game ended, at least an hour, like, at least. So then, this is where Squirrel Patrol walks up to me, and he shows me his phone, he goes, stat correction, like, you just jumped up to first, and I didn't have my phone on me, because it was in the room charging. So I was like, what is going on right now? Like, there's no way, this, and if you play DFS long enough, you're going to have a stat correction one way or the other. It's either going to go your way going to hurt you one way or another you're going to witness you're going to be a part of a stat correction it's just going to happen that's just kind of the lay of the land especially in NBA so at this point I'm not trying to get my hopes up too much I'm really trying to you know reel it in I don't want to I don't want to celebrate by any means because 
I know it's a huge swing. And also I'm kind of trying to keep in mind that it's pretty crazy for the other guy as well. You know, he could potentially be having a pretty massive swing. I didn't know where he was, so I didn't want to, you know, be over exuberant or anything like that. So I'm kind of really trying to keep calm. And a few minutes go by and the score goes official and like the game had officially ended and I was still in first. So then, you know, we kind of start talking about it, like just trying to figure out what the heck happened. And at this time, we didn't even know that it was a block that Clay Thompson got. We didn't know really what had happened. I didn't really look into the score, the box score too much. I was just trying to figure out what happened. Was it real? And also what is going on? I was in such a whirlwind of, of like emotions and and all that stuff so at this point I wasn't completely sober so that kind of so that didn't necessarily help with my ability to figure out what exactly was going on but you know af- after a while I kind of really simmered down and understood that the craziest thing in my life just happened to me where I just went from second place at a live final which was already insane to adding a, another 100k on to my my score and it was a $250,000 finish first place at a live final event which had been a goal of mine for for at least two years to get to a live final and then win one and I finished fifth in the NBA final and I just was really pushing for a first place finish so for it to happen was insane and then for it to happen on a stack correction that way that was so delayed it was just even more insane so overall it was just a crazy, crazy experience. So that is my my craziest DFS story, and it kind of relates into a little bit of a sub topic that I want to talk about, and that's live finals. And because after this particular live final, this was in April, the beginning, uh, the middle of April actually, and I'd gotten a lot of questions about live finals before, wh- whether they were the M- MLB final or the NBA final or anything really, but after this one. After I, I had won one, I got even more questions about live finals. And I just wanted to touch on those questions right now. And one question that I got was, do, you, do I think live finals or kind of chasing live final seats is worth it? And obviously my answer is going to be a little bit biased because I did, I did have success in two of them, two of the three that I was in. And my answer is yes, either way, even, even if you don't have like crazy success where you get a top five or, or a first. I do think they're worth it just because the experience that you can get from these is just so insane. It's such a, an amazing experience. And they are really experiences that I'll never forget that my friends will never forget that my girlfriend who I took on three of the trips will never forget. Or at least I hope she doesn't. I would be pretty, pretty hurt if she does. But anyway, I think they're an amazing experience. And obviously, I think they're well worth it. I do think that they need to be cautioned upon because, you know, like this MLB season, I really got a, a taste of what it could be like if you weren't able to get a seat. Obviously, these live final events are worth it if you're able to get there, but chasing it is kind of a a risk reward thing. So, I would say if this is your bank, if it's your bankroll, if all your bankroll is being hinged upon a live final seat, I would say it's probably not the best idea. But if you do have, you know, the extra bankroll, the extra percentage of whatever set aside for these, and you're still able to play DFS comfortably, you know, live comfortably. Obviously, you don't want to play DFS if you're not living comfortably. But, um, yeah, I do think they are something 
that everyone should, you know, be excited about and want to attend. And I know people, some people do stay away from these qualifiers and these, these contests that, you know, get you a seat at this, at these live events. But, you know, I think they're a whole lot, obviously they're a whole lot of fun to attend and the kind of experience you can have is unmatched really, as well as the opportunity that you have when it comes to, to the actual money. You know, if you're able to get there, it's the most profitable contest you're ever going to play in, and it's not really a question. You're playing in a free contest. It's, obviously, it's not free, but you're playing in a contest where, you know, you're going against anywhere from 55 to 150 people for a share of $2 million or a million or whatever it is. You're never going to see those kind of those kinds of margins, those kinds of odds in any other contest. So I do think they are worth it. Another question I got was how to take advantage of live final seats, especially when you only have one. Because for the Miami final, the fantasy live final, I only had one seat. And so people were asking, you know, how do you take advantage of a live final with, with just one seat? Or how do you take advantage of it at all? Do you have any tips? And, you know, I think it's really awesome that people were asking me those questions. So if you were one of those guys that were in my DMs asking those questions, thank you for, you know, asking and for me it's really cool that I was one of the people that you went to for that. So um, what? how to take advantage is a tricky question to answer, but I do think it all depends on what your style is like. I do think if you are able to get to a live final, it's obviously true that you're doing something right. I don't think many people get lucky and end up at a live final. Obviously, that does happen, but I think if you are a, a constant DFS quote-unquote grinder and you are able to get to – a DFS live event or multiple DFS live events, I do think you're doing something right. And if that's the case, I think you should stick to your process as much as you can. Um, obviously, it's hard because it's such a high intensity for a particular contest because it's the, the most important contest you're going to play in, especially if you if it's your first one. So for my first one, I came in and I was very tense. I was very, very shy at the entire event. You know, I was very quiet didn't really try to talk to anybody. It was not how I was at all at the NBA event or at the or either NBA events. So I do think that's one thing. One good way to take advantage of the event is to really enjoy it, you know, enjoy every aspect of it, enjoy all the people there, because that's honestly one of the better parts of it. You know, you meet so many great people who have the same headspace as you, who, you know, do the same things on a daily basis as you, who understand the same things as you. So I think that's one way to take advantage of it in full is to really soak in the entire experience. and But to take, how to take advantage of the, the contest itself is to stick to your process. I know that's something that you, people say all the time, and it's very cliche, but it's so true. You don't want to deviate too much from what you normally do because, like I said, if you're there, you did something right. And I think a mistake I made was I deviated too much from my my particular process for the MLB final. I really struggled in it, and I think that was why. And I didn't want to walk away with any regrets for either NBA event. And obviously, I did, I did well in them, so it's easier to walk away with no regrets when you do well. But I think at the end of the day, when you lock in those lineups, the goal should be to say, I'm not going to regret what I did. There's no mistake I made. And that was something I did do for MLB. I did regret some things that I did, but, you know, even when the lineups locked for NBA, I was totally confident in what I did, didn't think I made any mistakes personally, and didn't have any regrets. 
So I think that's one way to take advantage of it. And I think that's the best way to kind of enjoy the experience and really get everything out of a live final event. And I do think they're awesome. And I cannot wait to go back to San Diego for the FanDuel MLB event. Hopefully I can get to Chicago for the DK event. I don't really play too much on DraftKings. Um, just never really have. Just been primarily a FanDuel guy. I do go over to DK sometimes, but, you know, pretty much just play qualifiers over there on DK. But, yeah, really excited about the San Diego live final. Hopefully, you know, it might be cool to do a podcast live from San Diego with maybe someone that I someone that I meet up with down there. And I think it'd be cool. You know, maybe we can do a live from the top San Diego edition. That'd be really cool. So if anybody's listening to this, you've booked your seat to San Diego or you plan on it, you know, feel free to, to message me or reply to one of my tweets saying that, hey, uh, I'd like to be on that San Diego edition of Live from the Top. And I think that'd be really cool. I think that'd be a really cool thing to do. So maybe I can bring some stuff that I need and kind of plan on doing that. I think that'd be a really cool thing to do. But uh, one last thing before I go, uh, if you guys have any feedback, any any comments, any any critiques, anything really, you know, this is obviously my first podcast, so I'm really trying to make it, you know, as as awesome as I can, but also really kind of appeal to you guys. So if you have any feedback, any comments, any questions, anything, please, uh, you know, send them my way, and I'm looking forward to episode two. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, I'll see you at the top. <laughs>